So I, I want to jump into the word today, and I'm really excited to share something. One, that God's been doing in me. But two, it's out of a story that for me, a lot of people, if you heard about this story, the story of the prodigal son, a lot of you probably grew up and you know about this story. You've heard it from me. I got saved nine years ago. And until then, I did not know a single thing about this story. But I will say it has had a profound impact on my life. And I believe that it's going to bless you. I, I'm going to jump in in the middle of it. So because of that, I want to give you a quick little context of what's happening right now. This is a parable. It's about a father and he has two sons. The younger one comes up to his father and he says, Father, I want my share of the inheritance and I want it right now. I don't know if you know that commercial. I think his name was J.G. Wentworth. He used to say, it's my money and I want it now. This is who this younger brother was. And he says, I want my money and I want it right now. It's shocking because in this time for a son to be able to do that and ask a father of that, the father would lose his mind. You don't say that because ultimately this is what he was saying. Father, I wish you were dead so I can have what is mine right now. And I don't want to wait. I want it right now. And what's so shocking is the father grants him this request. He splits up the inheritance. There's two brothers. There's an older one. By birthright, he gets two thirds. The younger one gets one third. And it says this, after some time, he sold everything, took everything, set off for a distant country. And when he was there. He wasted everything he had on wild living. He had a lot of fun, but he wasted everything he had on wild living. It says that after this, a famine hit and he became to be in need. He was in major need and he needed some help, right? So what did he do? He went and found a citizen of that country. He got the only job that he could, which was feeding pigs. And for a Jewish person to feed pigs, this was the lowest of the lows. Come on, this is worse than working at McDonald's. Come on, no offense to anyone if they do. Like, this this is like the American view of McDonald's in this time. It's like, you don't want to work there, but it's like, this was the lowest of lows because he was in such desperate need. And it says when he was at the lowest place, he came to his senses. When he came to his senses, he remembered how good his father was. And he said, okay, I'm going to make this plan. I'm going to go back to my father's house and I'm going to tell him that I've sinned against heaven and I've sinned against you. Make me like one of your hired servants. See, in this culture, restitution was a major deal. Meaning if I messed up or did something wrong, I need to pay him back. So what essentially this younger son was saying was, I'm going to tell my father, father, I know I've messed up. So let me pay it back to you. Let me try to pay it back so I can become a son again, because he thought he had to earn his way back to being a son. So he asks this and he makes this plan. And then he walks over to see his father out miles after miles. We don't know how far, but he took a journey to go and meet his dad. And it says this, that when his dad saw him from afar off, that he ran to him, his father ran to him, threw his arms around him, kissed him. He, he said, I'm going to give you the best robe. I'm going to give you the ring on your finger. I'm going to put sandals on your feet and did not even let him finish his spiel saying, I'm going to pay you back. He said, no, you don't got to pay me back. Here you go. And it said he was so blessed and so happy that this son was back, that he was about to throw a big old party, killed the fattened calf and they were partying. And this is where we pick up in verse 25. Here we go. Luke chapter 15, verse 25. Meanwhile, the older son, somebody say older son, was in the field when he came near the house. He heard music and dancing. Now, pause. He heard music and dancing. I don't know what kind of party that was to hear people dancing, but whatever they were dancing to, someone, I need that playlist, Lord, because they must be knowing how to party. So he called one of his servants and he asked him what was going on. Your brother 
Your brother that was a mess up that did all this stuff, he has come back home. And he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him, but he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never even gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered, he's wasted your property with prostitutes come home you kill the fattened calf for him my son the father said you are always with me and everything i have is yours but we had to celebrate and be glad because the brother of yours was dead and is alive he was lost and now he is found the title of this message is lost in the house lost in the house will you pray with me one more time lord we are so grateful that your presence is here holy spirit our hearts are open We want to be more like you. We are so grateful for your word that it is the blueprint to our faith. It is the blueprint to our life. And no matter where we are at this morning in our spiritual journey, whether we're far from you or close to you, your word is the answer. It is the key. So let your word fall on good soil. We want you and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So right now, uh, being a father is my favorite thing about life. I love being a dad. I like to consider myself a fun dad. I I, I think so. Carter laughs at me. So I I think, which is my my oldest daughter, uh, actually my only daughter, but she is older than my brother, than her little brother. So um, I love being a dad and I love a lot of things about this age, but Dallas right now, he's only three months old. So I I don't get to do too much because I mean, Unfortunately, I'm not able to feed him, but Spencer is. So she gets a lot more time with Dallas, but I get a lot of time with Carter J. She's almost 20 months years old, and she is the cutest and sweetest and funnest little thing I have ever met in my life. She's at such a fun age because right now she's starting to learn how to talk, saying words. And even though I don't know always what she's saying, it's so cute watching her try to process it and try to say things. It's just, it's the cutest thing. And she loves her Bubba. She always gives him these kisses, and she always wants him to lay on his belly so she can sit there and pat his back it is the cutest thing like if we pick her pick him up she gets upset it's wild I'm like what is going on Carter J but she loves her Bubba but of all the things right now that I enjoy about Carter J my favorite thing is now at this age we can now enter into a time of playing hide and seek oh I love playing hide and seek with Carter J and I'm just gonna say this like there is a grace on my life to be really good at hide and seek I'm so good at it And I know she's only 20 months, but every single time we play, I destroy her. I don't light up whatsoever. She has never beat me one time. But I will say one time she did accidentally beat me in hide and seek. And I say this because I I try to put this label on it because I'm so embarrassed of what I'm about to tell you. But what was happening was I was supposed to be watching her. One day I was supposed to be watching her and uh, I think an important thing happened on social media and I was watching all these people getting along and it was great, just joking. I got probably like sucked into some argument or something. I was like, what is happening? This person says this, like, oh my gosh, what is going on right now? And I was reading through social media when I was supposed to be watching her and after I don't even know how many minutes passed, I realized, I looked up and I was like, oh no. I was like, where's Carter J? So I'm like, Carter J, Carter J. And I'm screaming for her, I'm calling her name. I hear nothing. So I start to panic at this moment. I'm like, okay, where could she be? She cannot open the door, so I know she's not outside. So I run up the stairs, I'm going through the rooms. I'm like, Carter, where are you? Where are you? Why are you? I start to lose myself because I'm like, oh no. I lost my daughter, number one, who I love. But number two, my wife is gonna kill me. 
And so I'm like, where could she be? And all of a sudden, I start to hear a little, a little ruckus from the laundry room. And I got a picture to show you where she was. She crawled into the dog crate. I'm like, Carter J, what are you doing there? It was the cutest thing, but honestly, I was really scared. And, and let, me, let me say this. If you were at this moment, we're going to be like, Carter J, and if she could talk clearly, and you're going to be like, are you good? She'd be like, yeah, everything is great. Everything's fine. But as her father, I'm going to tell you something. She was 100% lost, and she was lost in the house. I didn't know it was possible to be lost in the house. But I'm telling you, at that moment, I realized that it is possible for a child to be lost in the house. You know, typically when you hear this word lost, all we kind of associate it with is how somebody acts, what they are doing, right? We think about in the context of salvation, we know that there are people that are lost, and we can look on social media, and we can make a big, we could be a, a very educated guest can be made is if they are lost or if they are found. If you want to know just a secret, if you want to know if somebody is lost, if you get on social media, it's a dead giveaway every time, and you see a Philadelphia Eagles logo or a New York Giants logo, you know they are lost, and all God's people said, amen. But in this culture, in this time, when Luke 15 is written, what their mindset was, was all that made somebody lost was dependent on how they acted. It was 100% dependent on what they did. So it could be fine if, if I'm rotten on the inside, it doesn't matter. All that matters is how someone acted because appearance was absolutely everything. So when we think about the prodigal son, this younger son that I just told you about, he would be someone that was 100% lost. It was just so easy to tell. You could tell by what he was doing. He was wasting everything wasted what the father gave him and he was a hundred percent lost now all of us we've heard messages if you've been in church for a little bit if you've been in church longer than maybe two weeks you probably heard a message about the prodigal son it's a powerful message that if you ever run away if you ever are lost in the world if you are ever doing whatever you want to do but you decide to come home you need to know number one that God is always waiting number two he's looking and he's watching for you which is powerful and it's true and if you're in here today and you feel like you've been off, lost, you need to know God is looking and God is waiting. But what about for the rest of us who feel like we've been doing good and feel like things have been great and feel like we've been in church every single week and we're trying to do our best to live righteous and live good life, then we need to know that this parable is not just written for the people who are living in wild sin. Watch this scripture in Luke chapter 15, verse one through two. This lets us know exactly who Jesus was talking to. It says, now there were the tax collectors and sinners. They were all gathered around to hear Jesus. Tax collector sinners is be represented by the younger brother. Now watch this though. But there are also the Pharisees and the teachers of the law that were there. And this is what they said. This man welcomes sinners and he eats with them. He welcomes sinners and he eats with them. See, so you have two groups of people here. You have the Pharisees, the religious people, and then you got the, ta the tax collectors, or in other words, the sinners living lost out in the world. You see, the Pharisees, this is a group of people that their mindset really was, appearance was absolutely everything. I don't care about what anyone else, what, what I really am or what's really happening. All that really matters to me is how other people view me. And honestly, it wasn't even how God viewed them. It was how other people viewed them. They only cared about appearance. And this was the religious people. These were the people that were churchgoers, that would be in the seats in modern day terms. You know who the Pharisees would be? It would be us. It would be us 
in the church. It would be us. And a lot of times what we can do is we can look at this scripture and we can look at this parable and we can see that it is entitled the parable of the lost son. And we can think in our minds, okay, only the prodigal son is the only one that is lost. But a lot of scholars, they'll tell you that this parable is not just about one lost son. It's really not. It should be called the parable of the lost sons because in this scripture, what we just read, there are two lost sons. You have one who is wasting his life in wild living, one who is lost in the world, but you have another one who is lost while in the house. Lost while in the house. When you think about the house of God and you think, how can somebody be lost in a place like this? Like this is the church, right? In the Bible, another word for the church is the house of God. So this is supposed to be God's house, a place for people to come, to be equipped, to be set free, to be mended, to be made whole, to be equipped to do whatever God has called them to do. So there's no way you could be in a place full of so much hope, right? And be so lost. But you see, Luke 15 helps us see exactly how this is possible. Because a lot of us, this is how we've defined loss. You are only lost if you are out living away from God, living rebellious, doing whatever you wanted to do. But what Jesus was wanting to do was redefine what it means to be lost. Because you see, when you think about the word lost, it also means to be misplaced. It also means to have something missing. It means to have something that you know should be there, but it's not there. And when I was praying about this message, this is what God told me. There's a lot of us that are sitting in here today, and this is how we feel. We know we love the Lord, and we know he's near, and we know all of that. But when we look at our lives, we just feel lost. We feel like we lost our purpose. We feel like we lost the fire that we once had. We feel like we lost that drive to do great things for God. We feel like we've lost our family and we feel like we've misplaced things we once saw so valuable. I wrote this down as I was praying. I said, I know I'm lost when I no longer value the things that God has blessed me with. I know that I'm lost when I no longer value the things that God has blessed me with. Think about this. Think about how many blessings we would get from God and we'd be so grateful that we have it, but time goes on and we get familiar with it. We get used to it. And what we used to look at as valuable, we no longer look at as valuable anymore. You remember, I remember when I first came to this church, Oh my gosh, the what I would do, I mean, the way I saw it, and I still think it is so great, but I'm telling you, when I first got saved, I could not stop talking about it to every single person I saw. Be like, y'all, there was a place that I went to where I was broken and hurting, and I was welcomed, and I was loved, and it was incredible. But you know what? After a little bit of time, you get used to being here. And things that you used to value, you don't always show the same appreciation to. And what I start to find was what I once valued so much, I saw my appreciation for it go down and down and down. And it's not that I treated it bad. It's just that I treated it as normal. And what I once valued so, so, so much, no longer was I valuing anymore. We can be lost in the house. And what I was praying for, for all of us, was that we need to understand that it is one, okay to admit it, that we can be saved and we can love the Lord, but we can also be lost. See, when we think about being lost, none of us get lost on purpose. I don't sit there and take a journey and be like, all right, I'm gonna go to Disneyland. I'm gonna use no map, no GPS. I'm just gonna go and I'm just gonna see what happens. No, it happens through us 
trying, but we get distracted or we get busy and life happens. Think about right now what we are in. Life happens, a pandemic happens. And just when we think we're gonna get to the other side and be able to step into some type of new normal, all of a sudden a pandemic starts to seem like getting worse and worse. And now we gotta wear masks again in public. And we're wondering, are you gonna shut things down, governor? What is gonna happen? And things are at this place where it's easier to get lost than ever. It's harder to be connected than ever. It is harder to serve more than ever. I had campuses that I wanted to be at, that I loved, that I was serving week after week in widely and prosper and now I can't be there we all have to come to one and it is perfect equation for us to be lost but we need to know this that to help us figure out what it means to be lost while in the house what Jesus does is he helps and he introduces a character that we just read about in verse 25 because some of us our perspective of what we've been feeling and what we've been facing is that I've just been facing this so this is just how life is going to be but I want to let you know there is a way for you to be able to deal with what you've been dealing with for you not to stay stuck in the areas you've been stuck in Jesus is telling us a parable so that we will be able to get out. In verse 25, we meet this older brother, and this is what it says. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field, and when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. Again, he heard some wild dancing. He was in the field partying, and he heard some parties going on. See, when you look, think about this, and you think about this, this older son, he was out in the field working while everybody else was partying on the inside, right? You know what this means? That he was working overtime, going over and beyond what everybody else was doing. He was working hard. He was a hard worker. He knew what to do, and he knew how to move things forward. And it says this, that as he was going and as he was working, he heard this dance, and so he starts to come in, and he sees it, and he calls over a servant, and he's like, servant, what's going on here? And he finds out that his brother the brother that wasted everything had came back and it says that the father decided to kill the fattened calf for him and they threw a massive party. Now, at this moment, this guy got super angry. He got really angry and it says he refused to go in this party even though his brother was inside and his father was inside and the whole community was inside. He said, I refuse to go in. So the father comes out to him. He comes out to him and he's like, son, what is happening right now? Like, why are you, why are you so upset? Like, there was a party and I want you to be a part of it. And they start having this conversation and he is so, so angry. Now, I think a lot of times we can throw stones at this older brother, be like, yeah, why are you so angry? But when you really think about it, I would be angry too. I would be angry too. This older brother is the definition of faithful. He's the definition of faithful. Everybody else is partying and guess what he's doing? He's working. He's getting things done. And this younger brother who went and took everything that God gave him and left and wasted it, he was the one who had to stay and he was the one who had to work and he was the one that was taking care of his father's business. And now all of a sudden, this younger brother comes home and after living a wild life, he gets a party thrown for him while this younger brother never got to celebrate after he was being faithful. You ever felt like you've seen people that don't, they don't deserve to be as blessed as you do because you've been in the house, you've been serving, you've been faithful, you've been working behind the scenes and all of a sudden some person comes in that just got pulled off the streets that God just found and God's elevating them and God's moving in their life and it could be frustrating. It's like, do you not see me? This brother is angry and he's upset and he says, you killed the fattened calf for him? Now, if you're like me, I read that. I'm like, okay, the fattened calf, what is, that's great. Like, what does this mean though? right? As you study it, see, in this, in this culture, meat was a luxury. 
You wouldn't have it at every meal. And especially the fattened calf, it would be something that you would only slaughter on the biggest celebrations. And so he got this, this fattened calf slaughtered at the biggest celebration and they threw the biggest party for the most unfaithful brother in the house. And this brother is furious, but not even that. There's even more. From the father to welcome in this brother, you know what this means? This means now that even though he wasted a third of his inheritance, now he's going to get welcomed into the family and take another portion of what should have just been the brother's inheritance because that's how the father is and that's how culture was at this time. So he was so upset because he sitting here thinking, I got to pay for a mistake that my brother had made. It's not right. It is not fair. And if I was my, if this older brother... I would be feeling the same way too. And this is why it is so shocking when you look at Jesus and what statement he is saying because he's speaking to the older brother saying, listen, older brother, you think everything's good and you think you're not lost, but just like your younger brother is lost, guess what? You are lost too. And he is redefining what it means to be lost. What if I could be in these seats serving week after week, doing these things for God, serving God, being faithful, thinking in my mind, there's no way I can get lost because of the good things that I do. When you look at this story, you know what it was that alienated the younger brother from the father? It was his bad deeds. But you know what alienated the older brother from the father? It was the good things that he was doing. How crazy is it that we can hide behind our good works? It is our good works. It is us serving, being faithful to God, working for God that can push us away from them. That is exactly what was happening in this story. And you see, when you look at Jesus, this man, this older brother that he's talking about, this was an older brother that would be going to church. He'd be going to church and he'd feel good about himself because his problems were hidden and everybody else's problems were public. So even though he knew he had issues, guess what? He was like, I feel better about myself because nobody has to know about what I'm going through, but all of theirs is put on public display. Jesus wants to help those with public problems, but he also wants to help those whose problems are hidden because God is that good. There are two types of lost people in this world. There's two people, two types of lost people. Lost people that one, are living out in the world. And number two, those who are in dead religion. And the beautiful thing about this is that God, Jesus, wants to be able to save both. And that is the bottom line. And what Jesus is saying, come on. And what Jesus is saying to the Pharisees is what I believe he's speaking to us today. That just because nobody else can see what we're feeling, the areas in our life that we're lost in, he does. And he loves us too much to keep him that, to let us keep him that way. He's an ever-present help in our time of need. Whether we know we need help or not, this older brother didn't even know he needed help, but whether we know we need help or not, Jesus is there wanting to help. So maybe for some of you, you're saying, okay, I love Jesus. I'll admit that I'm lost in some areas. What do I do? I'm glad you asked. I got three things for you. What to do if I'm lost in the house? What to do if I'm lost in the house? Number one, you need to remind yourself who you are to God. Remind yourself who you are to God. You need to write this down. I'm valued by God. I'm valued by God. In verse 29, this is what the older brother said. He answered the father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. See, this son, he did not view himself as a son. 
He did not view himself or see himself the way the father seed him. He saw himself the way he saw himself. And so all he saw himself as was, oh, I'm just a servant. I'm just a slave. I'm just doing whatever I have to do trying to get what I want to get. This is one of the most deadly things that we can do. And this is what I found. In my life, I'm always going to feel lost if I don't understand that I am a son or a daughter of the most high God. It all comes down to our identity. And maybe for some of us, this is the only thing we need out of this message. If I can just truly take time to let what God's word says be true in my life and pick up this Bible and look at this word and what God speaks over us saying this, I am the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. I am his prized possession. He sees me. His thoughts towards me outnumber the grains of sea on the seashore. He has chosen me and called me. You are marked and set apart by God. You are chosen and by God and listen you have a role right now God has placed something in you you have purpose in you there is a role that only you can fulfill but you know what we will never be able to fulfill it if we're stuck believing we're some type of servant and not understanding that we are sons or daughters of the most high God first thing we need to do remind yourself who you are to God and number two we need to check our motivation check your motivation The reason I do what I do matters. The reason I do what I do matters. The second part of verse 29, after he says, look, all these years I've been slaving for you, never disobeyed your orders, yet you never even gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. You see, the older brother thought he deserved something from God because of how hard he worked. He said, I've been doing all these things for you. I've been doing all this work for you. And you won't even give me a young goat? You know what's interesting? You know what showed the motives that were in his heart when things went wrong? It was when things went wrong. How true is that for us? For some reason, God has a way of when things don't go our way and things don't go right, it shows what the motives really are in our heart. And guess what? Motives, they matter to God. How many times do we come into church and we're like, God, I'm here I've been praying, I've been tithing, I've been serving on a lead team, I've been doing this and I've been doing that. Are you gonna bless me? And you see, we think that God's being able to bless us and give give things to us is blessed on how we behave and how we act. But serving God is not a behavior modification. He's not trying to get us to act a certain way or be a certain way. That is not what it is about. See, we have favor and grace on our life because we are sons and daughters. And that is why God gives us good things. Yes, it matters how we act. And we need to live according to the word. And we need to rely on grace to strengthen us to act right and live right. But we do not get into this mindset of us saying, okay, God, I'm here. Now you owe me something. That is the most unhealthy thing we do. And if I'm honest, I have found myself in this place far too many times. You think I learned by now. It's like, no, this is not how God works. We need to check our motivation because our motives matter to God. We will always feel lost if we serve God with the wrong motivation. And this brings us to point number three, the last one. If you want to make sure you're found in the house, you need to find joy in being with God. Find joy in being with God. I wrote this as this little catch line for you. Being with God is enough, period. Being with God is enough, period. You see this this son so upset with his father, so upset with his father, telling him all these things. And I love watching how the father responds in verse 31. It really shows us just a little glimpse of his heart. Look what it says in verse 31. It says, my son, 
The father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. See, the father is telling him, you thought it was what you do that is your reward? You thought that it was me giving you a bunch of things? He's saying, son, the things I give you will not satisfy you. You're looking towards me because what I can give you, but what I can give you will not fulfill you. Only I can do that. He's the bread of life. He's a well that we can go to and never thirst again. That is who our God is. It's so many times where we find ourselves is, God, I obey you so I can get things from you. But we, we miss the fact that if we truly want to be fulfilled, it's not about us doing things for God. Because this is what Christianity is. I get to do things with them. And the beautiful thing about this journey is he is with us every step of the way. Every step of the way. You know, when I look at my life, and I, I, I remember hearing this story years ago. Years ago, I heard it, and I remember I related so much to this younger brother. I was like, oh, that was me. Nine years ago, I got saved, and I was living a wild life. I really was. And I remember I got saved, and I left everything. I moved. I, I left everything in a moment because I was at such rock-bottom place, and I related so much to this younger brother. And time went on, though, and you get used to being in the church, and I'm serving, and I'm being faithful, and I'm doing what I need to do. And my perspective was this. I want to look back and be aware that I don't want to go back to who I used to be. I don't want to be lost in the world. I don't want to go back to the world. And because I was pushing away, and, and I'm sorry, let me rephrase that. Because I was so badly trying to make sure that I don't go back to who I used to be in the demons of the past, I ended up ignoring the temptations that was in the new life that I stepped into. And what happened to me is I'll, even though I was great not going back, what happened was that when I got to where I was and I kept moving forward, stepped out of internship, got on staff, what I found was I was so worried, okay, I can't go back, I can't go back. And I thought that's how the enemy wanted to tempt me. Just don't let, he wants me to go back. I said, I can't go back. And this is what I found, that I found myself, it wasn't that I ever had a temptation really to go back, but you know what happened to me? I found myself lost in the house. And I found myself trying to earn things from God. Okay, God, I have to preach this message. So what I have to do is I have to pray for this many hours and I have to do this and only then will you use me. And I was neglecting the fact that why Jesus uses us isn't because of how good I am, but it's because of how good he is. And I found myself stuck. And I found that sometimes we're so, so infatuated almost with who we used to be. I can't go back there that we neglect the fact that the enemy doesn't need us to get out of the house. No, he just needs us to get lost while in it. And if he can get us lost while we are in the house, telling you. There's a lot of people in here, I believe, and you feel this where you know there's areas of your life where you've been lost in. There's no, there's areas of your life where you need help in. Pastor Dustin has a phrase that he has said for years. It says, if you feel distance, press in. If you feel distance, press in. And I, I want to rephrase that for the sake of this message. If you're feeling lost, just press in. You need to press into relationship with God and with others. You need to press in to your family. You need to press into your marriage and your workplace. Wherever you're feeling lost, you need to press, press in. You need to press in to who God says you are. You need to press in to what God has called you to do. If there's any area of your life you feel distance, this is the remedy. All you gotta do 
is pressing. See, there's some people in here and you feel like you relate to this younger brother. You do, you've wasted your life in wild living and you know how it is. You've been there and you've, you've done that. And, and you need to know this, that God's love is for you and it's towards you and he sees you and he wants you to come home. He's there watching and he's waiting. But some of you, like me now, you relate to this older brother. And even though you love the Lord, you do. You really do. You've just found yourself somewhere along the journey getting lost while in the house making this whole thing about what I do for God instead of being constantly reminded of what God did for me. And I'm telling you, there is so, so much more. Isn't it interesting that when you look at the father, that he ran out to the younger son, right? Ran out to him, embraced him. And he was living in, dead, in, in the dead parts of the world. I mean, he was awful. He was broken. But that same father that ran out to the younger brother, is the same father who ran out to the older brother. So those who was lost in the world, he ran out to. And those who is lost in religion, he ran out to. But you know what's interesting about this story? If you look at the younger brother, you know what happens. He gets a party thrown for him. This takes place. It's powerful, right? They have a huge celebration. But we never figure out what happens with the, young, with the older brother. There's never any, any ending to this story. And I was thinking about it. Why is there no ending to what happened with the older brother? And I started to remember, it's because he was talking to these Pharisees who currently had a choice to make. And what Jesus was doing is he was saying, hey, here is a choice for you. You can remain lost in the house. You can remain doing what you want to do, trying to earn things from God. Or you can step away and step over here to the other side and understand that what I really want from you, the younger brother, and you, the older brother, is I just want relationship. All he wanted is relationship. For the younger, that's far from him in the world. He wants relationship. And for those of us who are stuck in this house, feeling lost, it all comes down to this. This is what God wants. He just wants relationship this is the goodness and the in the grace of our God that no matter what we've done out of the house he still wants us and no matter what we've been dealing with in the house he wants us y'all we are about to step into the greatest season of our life as a church. The greatest season we have ever had. And why is it going to be? Because we have a bunch of youth, young adults, adults that are on fire for God. That have been found by Him. That say, I'm not going to sit back and let time just take me. No, I'm making a choice to be found by God. I'm making it about what you say I am. I'm making it about the way you view me. I'm going back to making it about relationship.